Greetings and salutations. You're listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the command format, also known as CDH. I am one of your hosts, Reed, aka Sick Robot, and today I'm joined by my co-host Matt, aka Null. What's up, everyone? And Morgan, aka Spoonface. How's it going? Um, missing London this week, unfortunately. Busy dude. <laughs> Doesn't have enough time yeah. to sit around for three hours on a weeknight and talk about magic with us. What? Uh, what a productive member of society. Nerd. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> anyway um, in, so in this yeah. episode, uh, we are going to be covering uh, the metagame in general. Um, we, I think we did last New Year's a sort of metagame retrospective, but um, I think we have sort of observed recently enough that uh, it's... The meta has changed enough recently that it's worth doing a bit of a retrospective and current spective whatever um, on the last few months of development. So yeah. Anyway, without further ado, let's jump into housekeeping. Uh, for housekeeping, we have one new Patreon. Patron. Patron. <laughs> uh, thank you to uh, Dominus Terra. You rock. You rock. You rock. <laughs> uh... So that's housekeeping. Uh, new developments. Um, Morgan won Oktoberfest. Good stuff. Clock back. Sure did. Wow. Yeah. So uh, you can I... hear it in can you in Discord because I have good filtering, but give you a little golf clap there. Wow. You, know, <laughs> you didn't that, even that play really black. Means honestly, the golf clap from Reed means almost as much as the plateau. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I decided to, um, you know, we're, we're talking about sort of looking forward and the metagame and where we see it going. And I decided to, uh, I guess, put my money where my mouth is about the trends that I was observing and bring yeah. uh, a blue pod deck that uh, essentially I was playing, like I was playing Rule of Laws, um, you know, a pretty, pretty decent stacks game. Um, Things like Root Maze and Meltdown, um, which was intended to give me some game against Turbonaz decks. Uh, but then with the pod combos, as well as Vanifar and Yisan, and the relative ease of assembling various, like, Emil combos, um, the idea was that I, rather than trying to play a staxed out game, um, I would just try and win the staxed out game the way we've seen <laughs> You know, decks like Hulk also try and do, um, yeah. where I would present some, you know, through stacks, present a win that was very difficult to interact with. Uh, and it, funnily enough, it actually, like, the, the theory kind of worked and kind of didn't, because, like, very few of my pods actually followed that pattern that I was expecting. Uh, but obviously, you know. I was able to to pull it off, um, and it felt like I had a decent chance in, you know, all of my pods. Like, I had something to do against every type of deck that I faced. Um, but yeah. Which is, I mean, that's sort of what makes for a good tournament deck, right? Is like, uh, especially if you're confident in your own skill level, just like having a deck that has game against everything is sort of where you want to be. And I feel like that's sort of the case for like, every format even yeah uh i guess the so the uh vod it was probably still on twitch 
at the very least, my semi-final pod um, and the finals pod were recovered. So if you want to go check that out, we can leave a link to that. Uh, I'll warn you, it was long. It was very, very long. Oh because there was my no, god, was that a long game? There was no time limits, and there was... No time mo- limits? Well, in, in the single elimination rounds, because... Oh, okay. Um, which was only supposed to be three, uh, but I encountered, and Matt, you haven't heard this, I'm imagining you're going to laugh, I encountered the most political player I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. Like, acknowledging that both Reed and I yeah, are on this what? podcast, <laughs> the most political player I've ever seen. That's impressive. And, like, and that you play, play with, with Keegan. And, and that you play yeah, with Pongo on a weekly basis. Pongo, yeah. <laughs> Just like, yeah. Nothing. Um, and, uh, yeah, my... <laughs> I, I was chatting with a Rebel among other people before the... Uh, while we were waiting for the last semifinal to finish up, so... Basically, this one player, his quarterfinal took, you know, two and a half hours, and then his semifinal took two and a half or three hours, and then the final took about that long again. Um, I finished my... Uh, it was it was basically four hours, a little bit more than four hours, from when I finished my semifinal pod to when the final started. Oh my god. Um, but <laughs> it, it was amazing. a very interesting game. I would highly recommend watching it on two times speed. Because um, there's a yeah, lot of... Who needs commentators? Just, there's just a, I mean, even it. the commentators were... Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they admitted I mean, that they were checking out a little bit. It was like, yeah, Jesus. For the not first after, after, minutes, after, watch after it like, speed, and then for the next two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, after an hour and a half of watching <laughs> gameplay not happening, you sort of run out of things to say. <laughs> no point yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but it was an interesting game full of some very interesting moments. Uh, just a little, a little slow paced in terms of, you know, <laughs> actions per second. But that is what the two times speed button is for. Yep. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think that's mostly new developments, unless I'm missing something. Um. Oh, potentially by the time we get this out, the database update might be out. But if it's not, don't yell. <laughs> Good <us>. one. Stop. <laughs> we're we're getting there. Uh, I guess. We haven't given away when we're recording this, so I'll say this is that we're done the, uh, as of this recording, which is a date unmentioned to anybody, um, we are done the primary update and we're just working through Brewer's Corner and existing changes, so wouldn't be surprised if it goes out soonish. And then we'll also probably be bringing on some number of new reviewers, so yeah, fun. Uh, look out for that. Uh, yeah. And I mean, aside from those, uh, anybody just have stuff they want to talk about before getting to the episode? I don't think so. Cool. Why plateau? <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing. Um, cool. Yeah, so uh, we'll just get right into it. Um, so, again, main topic of this episode, uh, we're just going to be talking about sort of the metagame at large right now. Um, there's, yeah... As I was saying before, there's it feels like there have been some pretty core shifts in the meta. I, like it, it felt pretty stagnant in terms of strategies that were viable at the top end of the format, and they were actually like performing for a while, probably like around half a year, right? Um, of just like a lot of people just playing um, Blue Farm, Icrom, 
uh, a lot Grixis, of those types of lists. Grixis, Mardu, yeah. oh my to a Jund. Yeah. Um, but we, so we, we were going to do at one point a, sort of a meta retrospective at some point during the year, but it didn't really feel right because there hadn't really been a lot of development um, in terms of strategies since the last time that we had done one. But we'd now... Also, we'd also just been talking about TurboDex all year like yeah like either yeah, like yeah, 100%. Elements or whatnot yeah um but i mean now we've we have a fair number of just concurrent tournament results that um are not those decks and that's really interesting um so we figured we touch on that and sort of talk about sort of i guess some of the motivating forces driving forces behind those shifts and what those shifts actually were um so i mean i, I guess we'll get into it um I mean, I, I guess the first the first thing to kind of note is that like there actually wasn't that there weren't that many events that were actually won by Turbo Nas. Yeah, so that's actually the funny part is that like for for like for those entire six months at the start of this year, um, like Blue Farm and Icrom hadn't actually been performing that well in terms of actually winning events, but they're like their representation was relatively high. Um, yeah, for sure. I and feel like there are a lot of high, those decks high finishes. High, yeah, high high finishes, high placements. Um, yeah, just a lot of stuff like that. Um, even if they weren't necessarily winning, but that's that's sort of changed uh, a bunch. I feel like, um, and that's sort of like the I think the first point that we're gonna get into here, which is that we've sort of seen a noticeable downtick in the number of people like entering Blue Farm, Icrom, Grixis, that kind of stuff, farm lists in general. Uh, into tournaments and also just like even making day two with them or top or the cut to whatever. Um, I mean, if you look at the Oktoberfest uh, day two, where this isn't necessarily going to be an Oktoberfest retrospective, but it is certainly the most recent data that we have of now, and it was a fairly large tournament. Um, so we will uh, use some data from it, but I mean, also that we're talking about changes that have happened over the last. Uh, I, I'd say probably, what like tier one con to now. Yeah, sort yeah, of in that window time frame. Um, so that includes stuff like obviously um the tier one con events like qualifying online events up to live tier one con and then uh the play age tournament the founders club tournament um the commander vault tournament um and then Oktoberfest I'm missing one aren't I. Marchesa. Marchesa. Wait. Well, that was sorry. You said. You said. But you said you said the tier one con events, which were certainly before. Oh, they were just before in the middle Marchesa. of those. Yes, yes, yes. So yes, if yes, we're talking yes. about after um, tier one con, then there was Play DH, Commanders Vault, um, Founders Cup, and and Oktoberfest. Yeah. Oh, plus playing with um, power. That was yes, right little... there. That one, right? Yeah, that's the one I forgot about. Um, which, I mean, smaller tournament, obviously, but still nice to have as sort of results-wise anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the Oktoberfest um, top 64, which is a very wide swath of the field, um, there were not a lot of uh, the typical farm things that we see um, in those day twos. I mean, out of the entire 64, there are, like, I don't even know, like, so few. 10, probably? Yeah. Yeah, there's... Yeah. I see one Cody, as far as Turbo decks. Cody, a couple Timnacroms. There are like five. There are five Crom lists to, uh, in total. So Timnacrom, Icrocrom. 
Um, and then and uh, then there's, there's some like, Cody list, and then there's like a, a Mad Farm list. Yeah, there's a Mad Farm list, and then um, there was another one that oh, there's a Jessica Tavesh, which I'm assuming is going to be some it's yeah. yeah, yeah. But, pr- but yeah, like that's, something that's not a lot for sure. Yeah. Something oh, I saw a, like a Sadisi list here, and then it's not the Sadisi you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like some somewhere in the area of like at like twelve percent of the field or something, depending on how yeah. you count the decks, something like that. Um, so like yeah, not not a lot. Um, I I definitely like probably six months ago at this point, I I would have expected like twenty five percent of the day two field to be some form of farm deck or another. Um, yeah, something like that. So it's definitely gone down a bunch. Um, and I'd, I'd say especially um, we've seen a noticeable, noticeable downtick in Sans Blue Farm decks. Um, they, I don't think they ever really had the same representation that Blue Farm Micron Grixis had, but um, certainly I think they've like just almost disappeared from tournament metas. Um, not to say that people aren't playing them in, like, casual metas, leagues, whatever, but especially in, like, the online tournaments, just almost nowhere to be seen. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they have an even rougher... Well, so, Mardu, uh, like, to an extent, they have a much rougher time, like, when they can't try and execute their plan. Um, right. Like, they're, you know, if you're, for whatever reason, you know, there's, like, a rule of law, so you can't, you can't, like just gnaws off on turn two or turn three or whatever like a deck like roger excess even though it's generally like paired down its interaction package it's still playing like i don't know 10 or so counter spells right like you've still got a large number of bounce spells for dockside abuse and stuff so yeah so so like you might actually have something to say about i don't know let's say it's like it's a null rod and like somebody else just has an oracle consult like you might actually be able to stop them whereas if you're playing if you're playing mardu like other than you know blast or like maybe a well-timed silence um it's it's really like a struggle to have an impact on the game when you're not just trying to win as fast as possible yeah um i guess jessica also can do things um but that's often Just, like I mean, a Jessica, one, that's, yeah. that's like a one shot thing generally it definitely helps versus like the bear stacks matchups but it doesn't really help you in terms of like playing the game under stacks in the same way that like Timna and Kron do especially also, like blue and playing like permission for other stuff before you go for it also, a lot of the hate bears just don't die to casting Timna, then casting Jessica, then <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like, oh, Arcanus three toughness, Idolanus four. It does kill Oof. It does kill Canonist. It doesn't kill Dranus. Hushbringer, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it kills who Thalia. plays Hushbringer though? Yeah. Yeah, have fun casting your four men. <laughs> your four men <laughs> yeah. on Jessica under Thalia. <laughs> I think Jessica's problem is like the partner that you pair with. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah. the main issue is, like, like Jessica and Timna are individually powerful partners, but they don't really have a lot of internal synergy between them, and it's just like, yeah. Um, but you can make your Timna gain six life. Uh, oh, yeah. Nice. Dude, not even, God, not paying respect to Bruce Timna. If I'm gonna be you, honest. You can also I, make it gain you. I mean, I have... Life. My My hot take... 
is that lifelink is only just not completely it only just not flavor text in in cedh uh so much has been made about Uh, the life gain potential of so many different cards and i've never been impressed by any of them i think i think i'd agree with the caveat that it's like a life gain in the command zone because <laughs> like i i think having access to cards in the command zone is a lot more valuable like cards in the command zone life gain in the main deck is a lot more powerful than life gain in the command zone cards in the main deck um well no but i just i just mean like like if sarah yeah, ascendant I know did it, not yeah. have life link right that would not change my evaluation of the card like and and i feel like i mean Sure. Every once in a while, the lifelink off Bruce is nice, but like, you could, if he didn't have lifelink, I would, I still think ninety percent of your games or more would play out the same. Right. Or I didn't give lifelink, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so like that, it's that's that's like the main thing that we've been noticing. Like the the main thing that you would notice is like the absence of a lot of Nasdex, uh, right now. But also the counter, the like immediate counterpart to that is like the meteoric rise of stacks lists and like the not just their success, but also the number of, um, like lists actually being entered into tournaments. Um, there, there's just there's so much stacks now. <laughs> it's like sort of unbelievable. I don't know. Yeah, that was um, a quick shift. I feel like. Yeah, in 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 the relative like scope of, like. I don't, like CDH tends to be pretty sluggish in terms of general meta response, um, especially at like large online tournaments. Like it tends to be pretty slow moving, and this is like in the span of um, I don't know. It's what span of like. Well, I feel like we almost don't move by time; we move by tournaments. By we events, just had yeah. like a really yeah. fast run of them, right? So it was like, yeah, okay, Winota, top sixteen tier one con, and like people, you know were generally impressed with how it was performing. And then it won the playing with power tournament and then it top forward uh both Commander's Vault and uh Founders Cup. Yeah. And it it double top forward one of those two, right? Um uh it it double top forward whichever tournament Minsk Minsk won, right? Minsk Minsk I can I never don't... get that name right. Think no, so. was it the tournament after that? I, I, I just I think I remembered like some tournament. It double top sixteen, and there were a couple double Winona sure. pods in those tournaments, but I don't think it double top four either. Okay. Anyway, there was a lot of Winota like populating after um those initial events. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what surprises me is like Stacks doesn't just beat a pod of three turbo decks in my mind. Like I feel like Stacks just isn't good enough in that scenario. So yeah. Like yeah. feeling like you want to bring stacks to a turbo Nas tournament is maybe churning too fast. Yeah, and I think that's we like that theory I think was somewhat borne out at Tier One Con where yeah. there was a lot of Turbo Nas and like there were people playing stacks decks that often just struggled to actually win the game. Um or like or someone would just stop one of the, the three people would and, get under yeah. them or whatever it was. Yeah. Um and then like at, I, I don't exactly know what happened in the Playing With Power tournament because it was, like, it's a patron tournament, so the, you know, it, it wasn't open. 
Um, but then at Commander's Vault, like I think I think for example, uh a pod that is one stacks deck, even two turbo Nas decks and one like pet deck that has blue in it. Like that stacks deck starts to look a lot better. Yeah, um, especially when and, like, it has that was a much lower stakes like, stuff yeah. like Winota. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that was like a much lower stakes event. So you know, people were more likely to bring the spice. And then when there's enough, when when you're not like sitting down into pods of like triple turbo and one stack stack, the stack stack start to do better. So then at the next tournament, people go like, oh well, I guess stack stacks were actually doing fine. I'll, I'll try my stack stack, and then. You know, then you get into a pod where, like, you have some other stacks deck, uh, like you have Winota, and then another stacks deck that doesn't, also doesn't, like, close the game out quickly, and then you're just laughing all the way to the bank, because there's no, like, I don't, the only deck that, like, in my mind could ever come close to winning a beats race against Winota is, like, one of the Kamal variants, but that's only if you can actually land Kamal, and Kamal's eight yeah. mana. Yeah. <laughs> like, if and they like get, that's like, like... They get two, like, two yeah, rounds like... of Winota triggers to try and find, like, a Draneth or something, and yeah. then you're just dead in the water. Or, like, even, like, it's like they get two rounds of combat to try to find, like, a double striker plus a Rick, and then suddenly you're not beating them in combat anymore, and you're, like, yeah. your stuff's still getting eaten on uh, blocks. Yeah. Um... Yeah, like it's just yeah. I I feel like I I I've said this for a lot for a while at this point that like Winota is a really good deck as long as it has like a turns one to three bridge because a lot of the time you're not actually developing stacks on yep. earlier turns you're just like setting up your main game plan and then like as soon as you get to attack with the Winota like you just immediately start slamming um meaningful pieces into play a lot of the time. So I feel like when people started playing any type of interactive mid-range strategy and people were still bringing Renota in some amount of numbers, it just, like, it just immediately took off. And I think that's sort of what we're seeing now, where, like, I I, real, I really do think that, like, one of the decks to beat is Winota. Um, yeah, although yeah, I think true. that, I think that Winota, like, I, I so I don't know like a lot of people probably won't remember but when Blood Pod was new, here I am you know old man <laughs> spleen with my cane and back yeah. in my day when Blood Pod was new it went on an absolute tear like the meta at the time was very Nas focused um, like Jaleva Zer those were some of the top de- dogs um, some of the more like greedy faster uh, Thrasios Timna lists like doom tide or at the time like yeah. pst and then it was like and there's still like hey, also hey like, guess what i'm i'm playing yeah. Nullrod, and everyone sort of went like wait you what that's not allowed <laughs> you're, what, what, you're not what? allowed to do that <laughs> yeah like uh, i'm just gonna cast this eidolon of rhetoric it's like wait how what huh how what am i supposed i don't understand or like everyone has their they're like super greedy mana base and it's like a uh, blood moon like nice thrasios timna deck <laughs> enjoy playing with red mana um yeah. and and it went on like an absolute terror it was i think it was like ranked leagues that it was just like destroying like people were getting like 50 60 percent win rates and then it fell for like literally three years straight um <laughs> yep. as like i, I think that that it was somewhat true of Blood Pod, and I think it's way more true of Winota, which is that you actually can't adjust Winota to beat her bad matchups. Like you can't yeah, yeah, tech yeah. her. No, you're to so beat, locked in. 
to beat creature mm-hmm. combo decks because like what, you're gonna put a Graftigger's cage in your deck like <laughs> yeah have fun with that <laughs> yeah um, great like containment priest nope uh, like i guess you can play rest in peace which stops some of them but like you like could play a curse totem but like you can't find it you could play yeah, Linvala, you I, can't find it. The, like, the problem is you just can't find anything, so there's there's not going to be a single card that just suddenly turns the deck. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and like, you also are, like, you actually just can't play a decent amount of the hate that stops the things that are going to be beating you, which is yeah. things like pod decks or, um, or, like, you know, just creature combo-based things, like permanent combo, that sort of thing. Um, the tools just aren't there for you to like tech against that like people tried you know metapod was not like the most successful thing but it was like okay we're gonna orient this deck away from preying on turbo nas and towards preying on like hulk and midrange try to play like grave hate and move away from the grave like centric win cons and yeah but like like, winota you're so locked into your winota plan that like i mean the last two tournaments or I guess, sorry, the last three tournaments, we saw, um, I guess, not kind of the play DH one, I'm, again, that one was also not open, so. I guess, yeah, but, like, the last three, was... The last three open tournaments, we saw a Winota deck make it to the top four and lose to a creature-based combo deck. Yeah. And, like, I think that's a trend that's just gonna continue. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't, it's just... like, I just don't know what you try and do against it. Yeah, like, the the only possible way that you can, I feel, Tech Minota to, be like, do better in those matchups is to try to play more removal, and then that just dilutes your, um, that yeah, just dilutes removal. your main plan. Removal um, without, like, strong card advantage. Yeah, it, like, it's just so rough, because, like, if, like, uh, if you're... If you're keeping a hand based on the removal in it to try to beat your bad matchup, then you just you're missing you're either missing mana or you're missing the creatures in play that you're gonna need for a Winota swing early or any of those types of things where obviously I'm not saying that like you'll never have a keepable hand with removal in it, but to mulligan toward those hands in order to beat your bad matchup is just so rough. I think it's also just super restrictive in that the pool of playable humans in CDH is relatively small, especially in terms of disruptive humans, and there's not really anything that you can swap out in that package to, like, hate on different things. Um, There's just not good enough stacks pieces for a lot of that stuff that are also humans. Yeah, and, like, I... So, um... Popper Fanatic, the finalist of Oktoberfest who was on Winota, he was... He'd moved away from the various combos. Like, he still had them, but his deck had 53 creatures in it, and it had a lot of, like, fatties. Like, five or six mana humans just to try and hit. Uh, Like, he was playing Angrat's Marauders, which is a seven mana damage doubler. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or a touched mage, which is uh, which six mana, and you search your library for an aura, and you attach to it. And he was playing Breath of Fury, so you try and get extra combats. Um, like Blade uh, Historian. He was on stuff like I mean, Blade Historians 
pretty core as is uh as is rick but yeah he was on like jordan like, dean and lena gold knight commander. <laughs> yeah gold knight commander so he was actually yeah. just trying to yeah. like beat people to death as like a primary plan and then like sometimes do kiki things like there was no mod catch or anything like that yeah. um yeah and there's actually a mod uh, catcher but <laughs> there's Wait, there like, oh, there the other stuff. Yeah. But there seems... isn't like the there isn't the other stuff that goes with that package. It's just like Mog Catcher, Kiki, Kiki Bottom, and that's pretty much it in terms of like combo availability. Yeah. Um yeah, so and like he cut he was on Deflecting SWAT and Lightning Tutor. No blast, no bolt, no artifact or enchantment removal, like the only the only non creature removal in his deck was Shatter Skull Smashing, I guess. Um <laughs> So, yeah, like, it was a very all-in on Winota version of the deck, um, which I guess served him well in, you know, Winota Mirrors and in the games where he could successfully, like, when when he was able to force people to play a stacked-out game, uh, yeah. the higher density of just, like, um, Things bombs that, that didn't you. need support, <laughs> yeah. you know, was able to carry him through, but... Uh, you know, when he tried to, when he came up against decks that were trying to win the stacked out game, it sort of faltered. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> I, I feel like that's a pretty great in-depth, like, yeah. description of, like, Winota's current place in the metagame, because that does sort of seem to be it, um... It's and really it a, good at what it does, but, like, yeah. it, it has some pretty glaring weaknesses that, like, make it, I'd say, more of a meta call in terms of, if like, deck selection for winning a tournament. Um, if you just want to, like, consistently do well and make, like, top 16, top 4, I actually think Winota is a great pick, because um, it will wreck enough of your pods um, on just having an insane amount of power in the command zone that I think it's very reasonable. But, yeah, I think, like... Actually winning a tournament with Minota going forward is going to be a bit harder when people um, are actually bringing things that have, like, reasonable game plans against it, just it, to be able It's to actually kind of an interesting thing to think about, that tournament structure might actually hugely impact Winota's viability for winning the whole thing. Yeah. Right, like, the more, the more successive single elimination rounds you have to play, I think the worst Winota's gonna do, because, yeah, like, definitely. you're just gonna come up against a deck that you can't beat. Yeah. Um, More of the time. A deck tries to cons just tries to conquer variants, so your your record is, like, really smoothed out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rather than going on this, like, incredible win streak with the Turbo deck. <laughs> yeah. I also think it has to, uh, you know, it has to be said that this is such a such a cute callback to uh, back when the meme was, you know, Blood Pod exists to King make either Yisan or Najila, whichever was in the pod. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is, there's an element of like Winota exists to King make like Hulk or Pod or whatever the, the creature combo is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I'll, even like just getting back to stacks in general, um, along with Winota, it sort of like brought a wave of like other random stacks list with it too i feel like um that's not necessarily stuff that's as uh uh as prevalent or as as many people playing it or as dedicated a uh like a play group but i i feel like there's a lot more rule of law now um oh yeah, for sure. in any given tournament uh 
whether that be like some Staxi Sisse list or like a Staxi two color list. I know there are actually a fair number of people playing like blue white and like mono white now. It like not fair number in terms of absolute, but in terms of like how much people should be playing those decks. Um, <laughs> yeah, like there's just there's just a lot of real law now, which um. I mean, it's good to see because I I don't know like when's the last time we had real meta rotation that wasn't a direct result of a ban? <laughs> it's been right been a while. Been yeah. A, yeah, it's been. A while. I mean, unless you argue that the meta after the flash ban was like very mid rangey, but that's like, I that's sort of just like a leftover of like what the meta was like. Yeah, like during the flash era. Um. Yeah, I feel like the strong decks post flash were not the mid range decks, but I could be misremembering. No, it, it was just I. It, it was I feel like it was a lot of people um sort of just being like, okay, well, flash is gone. I'm still gonna play my mid range list, <laughs> and then yeah. people were like, well, actually, breach is really good now because nobody's playing rip because they're not expecting Hulk, um, and I'm just gonna add Nazi and kill you, which continued for like a year, and now we're here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like just rise of stacks awesome um but i think the even more interesting thing is we've actually seen sort of the like the beginnings the glimmers of people like trying to beat those stacks decks and obviously i mean like those are the decks that have been actually winning tournaments but it's more that like people are starting to catch on to like the stuff that you can play to like actually have a lot of game against the people bring rule of laws um which is really interesting because we're sort of getting back to mid range in a weird way, or at least like stacks resilient win cons. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm very happy to see it. I think it could also be helped along pretty well by uh, by a Thoracal ban, but you know, we can only, we can only <laughs> yeah, but you can only so much. Like just the the ability to like, uh, other than actual factual proper rule of law. The fact that you can just slam Oracle Consult through like most of the anti turbo stacks is one of the most unhealthy things in the meta, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, just like I, I think we're definitely moving, we're definitely moving to a better place than maybe we were six months ago, or yeah, or like uh, I, I mean, yeah. I guess I don't even ever know that we were there, but like where people thought we were. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Because those are not always the same thing. No, I I definitely, I don't think we actually ever had too much of a polarization issue, but there was definitely an optics issue, I think, um, for yeah. a hot second there. Um, like, how close yeah, I mean, did we come to the true tur Turbo Nas Doomsday timeline? You know, like not that I, close, right? I don't really want to know. <laughs> even if the even if the answer <laughs> is not very close, I, I don't want to think about it too much. All right. Um... Yeah, I mean, just for, like, uh, for mid-range, like, it's it's cool to see sort of a resurgence of um, mid-range doing well in tournaments, because, um, I mean, for a while there, um, mid-range wasn't the best pick into Turbo Nas. Um, there was a lot of times when you'd go into a tournament pod, and there were, like, too, too many fast decks in a pod that you couldn't keep down and, like, can't get into the end game with, um, and you just sort of lose so now that we've like gotten some stacks back in the meta people have a bit more space to work with the with you know some value engines and some stuff like card efficiency rather than just all in speed um 
which is sort of interesting. Uh, I, like we have a few here in our uh, in our show notes, but um, I don't know. Like I'd I'd say the key at this point when you're building a mid range deck for the current meta or to do well right now, I think again just sort of the bar for building those decks is you have to have game against specifically Winota, but you also have to have like some amount of game against like Turbo. It's just you want to make sure that you're not leaning too far in any direction, which I mean, that's sort of the definition of mid-range, right? So so I think the need to have game against Turbo might be declining a little bit as like, Mm -hmm. as the share of like actually diverse strat, I'm not suggesting it's like, oh, you don't have to play counter spells, but like, I think that as the share of both stacks and other mid-range and, you know, various pet decks sort of goes up, there's a much more real chance that, like, your greedy mid-range deck can rely on some other part of the pod to police the table on those early turns. Now, maybe maybe not if the premier stack stick moving forward is going to be specifically Winota, because I think that's... That is the weakness of Winota compared to other stacks decks is the rate that you're putting down turn one and two stacks is a lot lower. Um, but I think if people sort of branch out and we see a decent amount of other stacks as well as like mid-range and commander-centric and, you know, all those diverse strategies, you won't necessarily have to, you know, plan for possibly two unchecked Turbo Nos decks in your pod or, right. or something like that. Yeah. What we're I think saying it's is... actually kind of nice because, uh, like, in order to fight both of those types of decks, like, the intersection in regards to those options is just the stacks resilient combo. Because on one hand, you want to have stacks for when you play against the turbo decks, and if you can win through your own stacks, that's obviously great. Um, but then having, like, a stronger win condition than Winota just means that you win out in the long run, so... And, and I think it's important to note that stacks resilient win cons not always, but tend to be um, decently interaction-resilient win-cons. And I think that that's something that maybe we might see some shifts on moving forward, um, where, like, trying to stop, you know, a pod deck or whatever with, with, like, dispels is... You're gonna have a bad time. Yeah. Um... I mean, I like. Or, I, I mean, I've I've actually seen a lot of people cutting dispels from their list recently in favor of yeah. stuff like uh, like spell pierces and stuff. Just like I think, just because of that reason, not specifically because of blue pod, but like that kind of uh, play pattern. Yeah, where where like the yeah, a lot of the interaction that people have packed, like the number of games where I just slammed Vanifar like pretty early and was like, well, let's see if I can untap with this. And, like, the table was scrambling, right? Because, like, yep. unless you have a blast, you're probably not going to have anything to say about it on the stack other than one, I think one time it got Force of Willed. Um, and then it was like, okay, well, we can't abrupt decay this. Like, none of us are playing swords. It got bounced several times. It's like, well, I mean, sure, I'll try it again. <laughs> like, um, Yeah, I mean, I feel like if I... you have the blast, too, you still kind of want to wait. To just destroy it on yeah, board anyway. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which which like, is also very awkward under a rule of law, though, because like you resolve it and then you like get to the end step and suddenly the blue pod deck has the interaction for it because they haven't cast a spell anymore. So it's just yeah. like yeah. Um, and like I you know 
things like Yisan, or even to an extent Birthing Pod. Like, Birthing Pod gets countered by more stuff than Vanifar, but it still dodges a lot of the interaction that people are Yeah. So Guardianship now hits it. Um, Force of Negation, if people are playing that. Um, there's not a lot of Spell Pierce. But I think people are generally playing Miscast over Spell Pierce. Maybe we'll see a shift on that. Um, yeah. Yeah, Dispel, Flusterstorm, obviously stuff like Misstep, like, I think um, I, I I think what you want to be right now, like the absolute gold standard for win cons, is you don't lose to Swan Song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know, like that just feels one. like the place that you want to be. <laughs> I'm also curious to see if we'll see. Uh, That's awesome, dude. This is, people take Swan Song out of your decks, put in a null. That's the oh uh, uh, yeah, That's the, dude. dude <laughs> I want to see. I want to see people get up to play exclude at some point. <laughs> Just yes, I'm gonna counter your Vanifar and draw a card. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Or, actually, uh, I, before we get too far away from this, though, I did want to say um, your experience with Vanifar was actually in that same tournament was very reminiscent of my experience with Hermit Druid. And <laughs> I, I feel like actually they're very similar win conditions at this point in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, people like a lot of the time just did not have arc removal for it. It's just like turn to Hermit Druid and either I get to untap and I have to fight through some other random stuff or like it gets bounced and I replay it and we try again later. Yeah, and I guess the the addition or the printing of Malevolent Hermit has also meant yeah. that like the the reason I used to really not like Hermit Druid is that uh is it was nothing to do with Hermit Druid and everything to do with Dread Return. Yeah, exactly. It's like but, you have this you have this yeah. extremely card like compact, you only have to find one card, super mana efficient, like very relatively easy to fit into a deck with like the minimal support package very resilient to counter magic and a lot of the interactions that people are playing except for the goddamn sorcerer that you have to cast at the end of it all <laughs> and yeah i mean i guess if you were really trying to be uh if you were trying to go like even deeper um you could play priest of fell rights um <laughs> yeah so it's a lot it's a lot of mana but uh it's not a spell so it's even harder to yeah. interact with but incredibly uh, difficult to interact with yeah like i the the addition the printing of of malevolent hermit has made hermit druid much more of a creature centric combo uh in terms of yeah. interacting with it um but yeah it's just like you want to yeah it's a lot of it is like both having game against winota but also having some uh, minor amount of disrupt developments which again as matt said i'm just summarizing points at this point but um like you just you want to have uh some form of interaction interactive deck with a really like compact stacks resistant win con that happens to also be counter magic resilient a lot of the time. Um, which I mean again we have some examples here that I'll just run through quickly because um just to give people an idea of like what has sort of been finding some amount of success here. Um, obviously like Thrasios mid range, welcome back King. <laughs> uh blue pod obviously did it ever really there. go away <laughs> i mean people definitely no. thought thrasius was dead for a hot second there um yeah i, got I, I don't think thrasius was dead it, as but... i was winning tournaments <laughs> with it. <laughs> yeah i mean but it's I, I feel like it's back in the spotlight a lot for people like because now it's not like somebody taking a tournament on a deck that people don't consider meta it's like oh mid-range is actually like a reasonable pick again and now you can actually like take thrasios to a tournament 
not saying that you couldn't do that before, but I feel like that wasn't the general public perception. Um, I just now kind of realized that all three of my tournament wins this year have involved Thrasios. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow, good job. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, and then we've seen the beast. <laughs> we've seen like a fair amount, actually, of like Sisse Weatherlight Captain. Um, I think we only actually had one in the top 64 of Oktoberfest, so good job, Rebel. Yeah, but there were, uh, like, Mons was playing it at Tier 1 Con, and I think yeah, there was yeah, someone like there's, playing it at one of the other ones, yeah. Yeah, like, there's, there's a fair amount of Sisse now. I, I actually personally really like Sisse in the, uh, in the world where Winota reigns supreme. You just have, like, an equivalent amount of just stupid bustedness in the command zone in long games <laughs> with Sisse. Yeah, um, and I mean, I think, like, that also has the... I have an easy, I have a plan I can consistently execute through Winota yeah. um, aspect. Uh, and like in that game, uh, you know, Rebel wound up getting beat to death. Uh, but that was very much like a coordinated effort. And it was also in no small part due to the fact that she had to burn a demonic tutor to kill the Drake, my Vanifar. Yeah. Like, I think if that demonic tutor was used to further her game plan, she probably just controls the Winota, and then just cleans up from there. Yeah. Because um, she was, like, she was just behind on establishing a dominant board state, and so, like, she died. Basically, we killed her the turn before. I think she would have become impossible to deal with. Uh, and, like, if she hadn't had to waste a turn demonic tutoring for Gildedrake and Gildedraking Vanifar, um, probably she would have become Im impossible to deal with the turn before we killed her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then just, just run away from there. Honestly, a deck that could play Cursed Totem in this metagame and also satisfy our previous requirements could be reasonably decent. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> so, it's just that... What, so you I really agree, used... but you keep... Like, when you keep tacking on stacks pieces, it really starts to narrow <laughs> down does, the field yeah. of decks that you can play. Really, oh, like, man. yeah, I want to play Deafening Sons, I want to play Root Maze, I want to play Meltdown, I want to play Cursed Totem. <laughs> like, what are you talking really about? <laughs> it's never not Essica. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's really a shame that Winota is not playing Chris Totem, or like can't. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I mean, mean, again, like if could. I feel like I feel it does like shut off if... a lot of your combos, but it doesn't shut off Rionia. So maybe that's actually doesn't like, shut off Rionia. Could be the prompt for reevaluating. Like obviously, it shuts off Kiki. It doesn't but, shut yeah. off or touched Mage lines either. Like yeah, I wouldn't necessarily recommend <laughs> no, or no. touch mage. I, but you uh, have to replace a win condition in this deck. Or, yeah, or like, touch mage does combo with the goblin rabble masters, though, right? Because those goblins yeah, have haste. And the uh, and the um, apprentice, uh, loyal apprentice, loyal apprentice, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's still not good. It's not good, but it's like it's fine. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, uh, like Breath of Fury. I don't know. Putting in two cards, like it's 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 rough, especially yeah. because like you do just need to block it once, right? Like, uh, like, wait, does Breath of Fury have to connect? Yeah. Oh, it's combat damage to a player. Huh. Yeah, yeah that that's a lot worse, huh? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I feel. Oh, right. That was the that was the 
thing that I was going to say before we got into this. Um, I yeah, I feel like um one of the biggest things for Winona is like if Linvala was a human, <laughs> the deck would be like way better. Like if you could just like, or if she could be found by recruiters, or yeah, recruiter for it or anything. Just but you just like can't find mm -hmm. it. You just can't find. Honestly, are lists just on Linvala though? Like just no, because it's just no. like you, you can't play like fat non-humans a lot because you want to like ramp up to like you play yeah, like you I dump guess, a bunch yeah. of non-humans into play play Winota and then just like it's you don't really yeah, care about what you draw for the rest line. of the game you're just Winota's yeah Winota's definitely a deck that's accepted a lot of non-permanent or like non-recurrent mana sources yeah so like sure, like yeah. often people are just mulliganing to hands with like mana vaults and jeweled lotuses and things like that and just like I'm gonna slam Winota and then like if I don't once I get Winota into play, if I don't get to, like, four or five mana until turn six, like, I, I don't care. I'm just playing my, like, two-drop Winota procers and, yeah. like, I, two and one-drop and zero. I actually used to say that, like, Yasan was, like, the deck that cared the least about, like, drawing cards or seeing new cards over the course of the game or having cards in hand. But I think that's been Winota very usurped the... by Winota. Where <laughs> I feel like a lot of the time, once you've started executing your, executing your game plan as Winota, you just absolutely don't care about what's in your hand or what you're drawing. It's like only what you're hitting off of the Winota hits. Dude, I just remember that game I stole Winota and got... I got 66 cards deep. And didn't yeah, find in Orba. Yeah. Didn't find a spell seeker and then lost the Winota and drew it for turn. I was like, are you yep. kidding me right now? Hey, I speaking of stealing Winotas, it's actually something that I noticed that was a very real strength of playing Hermit. I'm not gonna rag on Hermit because I haven't performed with it yet, so I'm not gonna tell anybody that's actually a good deck to bring to a tournament but one of the upsides of bringing like draft and hermit druid to a tournament is that when you guild a drake to a nota you actually have an insane amount of really good hits in that deck yeah you could hit like both hermits a bunch of your mana dork spell seeker grand abolisher ranger captain esper sentinel just <laughs> like so much yeah um yeah anyway i mean for like some other mid-range options um uh, we've seen a bit of an uptick in, like, Kenrith midrange value ball. I feel like a lot of that, um, sort of, like, real estate has been taken up by Sisse, though. Just, like, Sisse is the superior Sax-resilient midrange deck in five colors. Um, and then yeah, also... I think Kenrith, yeah. Kenrith definitely has some advantages, particularly, like, trying to build into the locks, like, the symmet even the quasi-symmetric locks, mm -hmm. like, like, uh, uh, Possibility, possibility, possibility storm, storm rule of law Knowledge like pool. and then yeah but like kenrith yeah i guess the sisse like getting the consistent wooberg is tricky and also like i think the difference is that often one well-timed removal spell will like very much reduce the threat of sisse for a long time like right they tutor out the najila and you're like all right well i'll just kill the najila and then it's like okay i guess i can activate this to tutor out like certain hate pieces um but, like, Kenrith doesn't have that same... Like, Kenrith himself is just a threat, putting counters on him, giving trample, beating yep. down. Could draw you cards. He can also return things that are removed. Um, so, so, like, you don't have the same issue where your deck starts to run out of threats that you can have. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were, that is the hidden insane mode of Kenrith in long games, is just reanimating stuff without having to spend cards is actually so strong. 
Yeah, um, for sure. But I think the last one that we actually had on the list that I, that I wanted to touch on, at least, uh, let me know if you want to talk about any other stuff in this category, but huge uptick in a specific mid-range list that's really exciting to see is there's a lot of Malcolm Tana running around. So, um, what, just Teamer Malcolm, I think they call it. Do they? Do people call it yeah. Teamer Malcolm, or do they call it... Teamer yeah. Malcolm is, is generally yeah. what I've seen it called. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, just really cool, because the deck just has, like, it just plays, like, this very typical <laughs> teamer mid-range list, except it has a super efficient one-card win-con. Um, yeah, stacks resilient win condition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously it's not, removal not resilient, stacks resilient but... <laughs> to specifically null rod, but it plays through really nicely. Or cursor. Yeah, sure, or what, am I, yeah, what am I saying? But it plays, it's, through, it's it plays through rule of law really nicely, um, which is a lot of what you to... want. Narset and <laughs> Notion oh Thief, <laughs> but yeah, I mean the but, Vanifold yeah, I mean, Reacher definitely makes that a lot yeah. less of an issue. And I mean, it's really interesting because again, like we haven't, we don't really see it's Teamer and a lot of the time it's Teamer and Naya are the things that we don't really see in terms of the three color lists. Uh, so it's good to see some some uptick in uh, stuff like Teamer Malcolm. Obviously, I mean, we've seen some amount of Paco and Halden over the years. A year? I don't know how long they've been out. Anyway. Uh, it's been but, like yeah, a I mean, it's, half. Yeah, it, it's, great. Uh, it's great to see Malcolm Tana. I think it was the... Ikoria was the spring set of 2020, if I remember correctly. So Yeah. That sounds so, right, yeah. Like March, April uh, yeah. 2020. So yeah, a year and a half. Um... Yeah, and I think that that's, man, there's <laughs> there's a deck that uh, can potentially uh, out mid-range Winota. <laughs> what, Malcolm Tano? No, no, no. Or Paco and Halden. Oh, Paco and Halden, yeah. Paco and Halden, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, all right, Winota. you want to have a race to beat each other to death? <laughs> I'm game. Let's go. <laughs> uh. It's surprising how much less damage you have to deal when it's commander damage. Oh yeah, and especially when it grows way faster. <laughs> I think, I think the issue is that you just get chumped. Yeah, like, that that's the big one is that it's a lot. Especially when you don't have trample, it's way more effective to go wide and have stuff that like you can't effectively block than it is to go super tall and just get chumped by dorks for days. Or like Winota's like Winota literally plays like Ornithopter. Like, yeah, yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> All right. I will. Yo, here I we will go. Block. Charging in. Giant behemoth of a Paco. 12 12 and. All right, we killed the Ornithopter. Nice. <laughs> you know what? You know what the even better one is? Is that you attack with Paco and they block with Ginger Brute and sack it to gain life. <laughs> Just beautiful. So much value. Um. Yeah, I mean it's 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 really it's really awesome to see mid range coming back pretty much full force at this point to sort of counteract some of the swing in the direction of stacks because um, it's it's stuff that we haven't really seen a whole lot of in the past past like year or so I guess at this point um, it's good I like it also, I also yeah, um, per perhaps a little spoiler my brain is has been for the last few weeks has been churning on the fact that. Uh, Mystic Sanctuary turns loops work through rule of law. That's that's where my head's yeah. at right now. And I <laughs> oh feel my like God, dude, get out of here. What? <laughs> Is there I something mean... wrong with that? 
Like actual, just I, just like I present yeah. the loop, I win the game. Not like I'm gonna take five turns and then pass. Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. But I mean, yeah, like, I to be fair, I am an enjoyer of some pretty specific Mystic Sanctuary decks, so <laughs> pretty excited to see. I think the issue is just uh the the things that make the loops happen are a bit not resilient to removal or other stacks pieces, but they certainly work through rule of law. You just have to have if there's any particular avenue more. that if there's any particular avenue that Winota can pivot to as far as like stacking out, it's the graveyard. <laughs> yes, that too. They are already. <laughs> there's playing, a bunch of uh, Hulk and yeah. Sanctuary, and they, they'll yeah, have they're a playing easy time uh, pivoting. Cleric already, and then I'm I'm sure they could find other stuff. To... There's like you can very easily lean on it. All these really yeah. There's definitely a lot of interesting things. Removal yeah, yeah, yeah. In white. Oh my god! Um, imagine, imagine. Oh, just imagine for a second that you could play Anafenza and Winota. <laughs> oh my god! Huge body pumps the rest of your stuff is also a hate piece. Just crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's just like great to see, and I like. I'm sure people will come up with more like even more mid-rangey lists or other ways to attack the meta that I'm excited for cuz this is again yeah. the most meta development we've seen in a long time or natural meta development anyway um so that's really cool and just remember there's a big difference from this time compared to last time there's no flash just being a menace omnipresent <laughs> like just always able <laughs> you can... to kill you on turn 2 but also going to the long game <laughs> Uh, it'll flash. Um, yeah. So I mean, if if unless either of you guys want to discuss more about mid range, um, got a couple more mini topics to go over here. Um, so this is sort of a subtopic, I guess. We probably could have covered this a bit earlier. Um, but sort of along with the rise of mid range and stacks, <laughs> uh, people have been dying to combat damage a lot more recently. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> Just yeah, in general. Yeah, I mean we did talk about the like Winota variants that are more like combat yep. oriented, and I definitely yep. agree. I mean, but I think I I don't know, but I'd say at this point, do you, I I think I'd consider the old meme of combat damage in CDH like thoroughly banished, or like combat damage isn't a win con in CDH, um, thoroughly uh, banished at least for some specific decks that can do that. I. I still don't think combat damage is viable as a primary plan. Hmm. Like no, I agree. Not not even not even like as a primary with a decent secondary. I still think combat damage can really only be secondary in my view. Um, hmm. It's just it's so like it's so rough, especially um, the decks that typically can kill with combat damage have a really hard time picking the order of who to kill like that is that is like a huge thing that i don't think that people have really caught up to yet in terms of like the general public in terms of like good decision making where like i feel like it's easy at this point or expected that you can figure out a storm turn for your deck or like tight play in some areas or whatever it's really hard to pick out when you're playing like a, a deck that has like real commander damage implication or like just damage implications to kill people in combat like picking out who you actually need to put damage onto and who you need to kill yeah well well, f in two ways first of all like the order of 
who you start attacking first. Like, you know, obviously, like, oh, you hit the Zer player because you're trying to tutor Necropotence or whatever. But then, like, when is it correct to actually switch to, like, you know, the other decks that are trying to take the game long? But then also, I mean, like, literally killing people, like, taking them yeah. out of the game. Yeah. Um, So often, I've seen, like, you know, there's, like, the Winota player and two blue decks at the table. It's like, you kill one blue deck, the other blue deck combos off. Um, or, or like, you kill, you know, like, you kill the person who probably, like, who has the best sort of board presence long game thing going on, but then, like, you know, maybe they had, like, a redundant stacks piece and now they're dead and then your copy of that stacks piece gets removed and someone can win or or things like that um that just make trying to kill people like over successive turns with combat damage in my view still very very suspect as a primary plan hmm. Unless, uh, obviously you can like actually kill everyone all at once but at that point i feel like it's kind of a combo like like, yeah, Crater Hook Behemoth a... Is, a, is a combo, not a combat damage win. <laughs> or it's like, hard to have a like non-primary Crater Hook. <laughs> it's yeah. just not a good combo. <laughs> like, maybe it's the damage doublers, I don't know, but... Yeah, just load up on damage doublers. Furnace of Wrath and Renota, let's go. Yeah, and I think it's also, like, it is often quite difficult to split damage Effectively, well. yeah, like, definitely. Like... If someone has, like, one big blocker, for example, yep. then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to attack into them, I'm going to lose one thing to the big blocker, and I'm going to try and go around them. But then, like, if you also spend send half of your stuff at, like, the other two players, then the trade of you're losing the thing to their blocker, and you're getting, like, way less damage around it, just, it starts to become very awkward very quickly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just... Combat damage in multiplayer free-for-alls is a, is a rough one that hasn't even been cracked in however many years of playing it in casual EDH, so... Yeah, I don't think but I'll, certainly say that, <laughs> I'll certainly say that combat damage definitely matters and not yes. just for drawing cards with Timna, which was yep. kind of, I think, where we were before. <laughs> yep, definitely. It's I a lot of the time now you have to be a lot more wary of life total and I uh, like even stuff like mana sequencing to make sure you're losing the least life. A lot of the time now, considering whether or not you're playing the mana crypt in later turns, if you actually need it, so you're not getting bolted to death over a long game. Just like there, there's a lot more consideration I feel like in tight technical play at this point. That's around conserving life total and making sure you're not put in danger of having to. It's less. It's really less about like being put in danger of dying and more about being put in danger of like having to make suboptimal plays before you wanted to or that you wouldn't have otherwise had to make because you're in immediate danger of dying um yeah so that's combat damage and then sort of like the final one that i wanted to get into a bit here is sort of the, again a sort of small rise in non-turbo storm lists um obviously the primary one that i'm thinking of here is Kark sakashima there have been a lot of Kark sakashima's uh yeah, in that's been the flavor recent sure. tournaments um but just like apparently people being more comfortable i guess with playing storm lists that aren't necessarily in black or aren't necessarily focused around ad nauseum um, which is just interesting to see right yeah i, I one thing I, I i see here like looking at um 
kind of the decks we've written as far as like what we consider to be the metagame. It seems like wheels are really free. Mm. So I can definitely understand playing a deck with wheels and being the one capitalizing on it is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly the less turbo Nas there is, the better wheels tend to become because, like, there's nothing worse than keeping a hand whose plan involves a wheel and just seeing someone go, like, land, mana vault, yeah. mox diamond, two mana rock, like, my commander, and you're just like, well, I mean, I guess I could draw the person with, like, six mana, five cards, but... Yeah. Yikes. Also, like, Winota just being the, the the new king of not caring about what it's, what's in its hand. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Winota's pretty much drawing zero cards. <laughs> yeah, wheeling Winota's is, is definitely fine. Uh, I think on the Crux Ekashima point, I think it's there's a few things. First, uh, uh, people are not... It's a very difficult deck to play against. Yes, um, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I feel like people a, haven't like, yet figured out the optimal play patterns of, like, how do you stop this? Where do you interact with it? All that stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, in one of my games, in one of the early <laughs> rounds, uh, there was a Kirk Sekishima player. We, like, had them stacked out, but not, like, super well. Like, there was only one rule of line play. Yeah. And I think, like, there were some null rods, but that's not fantastic for, like, like, they can certainly, they don't need artifacts they want them but right. they don't need them um and then someone played a chalice on one oh and it was like yeah oh, oh no, no. <laughs> wow what because you just turned off like dispels and swan songs and missteps and pyroblasts but they can still do absolute <laughs> all nonsense of that by... <laughs> yeah um yeah, uh, so that was a little bit rough. Um, but also, I think it's one of the Storm decks that has the best answer to Rule of Law, where, like, often, you know, there's a Rule of Law, you try and bounce it, and someone's like, cool, I'll just counter that. And you're like, well, crap. Um, but, and especially when there's, like, multiple hate pieces, you know, the fact that you can cast, like, you know, you cast bounce your spell. bounce spell, and it's like, well, there are three copies of this, so, like, you know, how many counter spells does everyone yeah. have? Um, I think that gives it the ability to recover from being staxed out a lot better than other sort of stormy decks. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. on especially... a surface level, I would never call an is a deck a good enchantment removal deck, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it certainly has the ability to deal with a lot of stacks very efficiently without, like, having Definitely, to make, yeah. like, concessions to, like, playing, like, mass removal or whatever. Um, and like and also, I think you do, you do benefit from, like, it's hard to call it, like, incorrect play, but there's certainly, like, an unwillingness to... Yeah. Like, you, the way to beat... Assuming you can't just keep Kark and Sakashima out of play, like, obviously, if you can remove Kark with Sakashima on the stack, you're just laughing. But... Once they have, like, some sort of setup where, say, they're getting, like, three or four Kruk triggers per spell, um, or even, even just two, yeah. um, like, you actually just need to counter their spells. Yeah, like, and, like that even feels if they're getting terrible. copies. Yeah. <laughs> like, that feels terrible. You like, have to, I'm, before I'm any Kruk triggers, I just will, like... And I have, like, three triggers on it, and then you're just like, well, I guess I have to counter the original, even if you're gonna get, like, two more off of this. Yeah, um... But but if you don't do that, then like 
it, you know, well, I guess your option is to counter it the next time they cast it. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that that's like, people will always try and push the burden of throwing an interactive spell under the bus like that to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, and you can definitely capitalize on that. Yeah. It, it punishes, um, it punishes, I guess, greedy play in terms of like the rest of the table wanting to save interaction for as long as possible, especially because also a lot of Crooks Akashima's wins can start with very innocuous looking cantrips and very quickly spiral out of control. Um, if, yeah. Especially if they already have like a board set up for it. So it's like, I'm going to cast this, like I have Harmonic Prodigy and my commanders in play and I'm going to cast this Ponder. <laughs> and it's like, well, I guess we're letting that resolve because we're not firing off interaction at a ponder. And then they get four copies of said ponder. <laughs> and then suddenly they have all the gas in the world and all the production they need. And then you just die yeah. because you didn't counter the initial thing. So even like even against good players, you know what they're doing. A lot of the time it can just like fuck you on the risk reward for the rest of the table. And you're suddenly dead because you didn't make the like bad beats decision at the start of it. And I also think it, like, it lulls people into a false sense of security because you're like, oh, they're playing instance and sorcery-based Storm, and I have, like, this Dispel, and this Swan yeah. Song, and this whatever, and it's like, yeah, that is not gonna cut it. Yeah. Um, like, even it seems like the interaction that's being played lines up very well against it, and that it just doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It's like, actually, it's... Hilarious because they're casting a lot of instant and sorceries, but the best interaction against that deck is just removal for their like bad removal. Yeah, yeah. It, like you just need to get rid of the um the pieces that actually make the things they're doing good. Because like a Garkin Sakashima on the board is good, but not usually not game winningly good. But as soon as they start assembling things like Tavern Scoundrel, Usury, um, Harmonic Prodigy, that kind of stuff, that spirals out of control very quickly. Um, and you just like have to basically Storm keep them off the getting the stuff. Yeah, just <laughs> and all of that stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean that's unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about. Uh, I think that's our main topic. Um, just wanted to, I guess, drop a note on uh what we were seeing, the sort of changes going on. Really cool. Um, but if we're done with that, then next up we have everybody's favorite sub segment. Gut check. Gut check. Gut check. Uh, and the gut check this week comes from Morgan. What you got? Uh, I've got. What card do people need to start respecting? <laughs> mm. Oh no. I feel like I know what good one. answer is. Uh, do you? Do I know what my answer is? I feel like when you hear what I think your answer is, uh, you're gonna yeah, it'll, agree. It'll do that. Um. All right. Let me let me let me think for a hot second, and I think uh, be fine. What am I? What am I gonna say? Respecting in the sense of respecting in a game, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, like actually inside of uh But I I guess like I I'm not going to say like res not respecting the threat of Yeah. Like sure. 
like um, it, choosing to let it happen as opposed to like yep uh, oh no i got it yeah i think i've got I, a variety got of cards honestly i don't know if i'll if i can choose one in particular but like, I there's, okay. like, there's okay. there's definitely a couple angles, right? There's like the, the the cards that have long been unrespected, and then there's like the cards that um have they capitalize the most on being unrespected. Yeah. So I guess my long-standing card that hasn't been respected, I think, is Sylvan Library. That checks out. Like, People are actually lower on Sylvan Library right now than they ever have been. <laughs> um. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I don't know that that like was a... wrong, like, s- six months ago. It was probably yeah. the lowest it's ever been. But no, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's been long, it's been wrong, <clears throat> wrongly respected for, like, years. <laughs> yeah, it's just very powerful. Um, <clears throat> I have actually a very similar answer. I'm not sure if this is the one that Morgan came up with. Uh, Survival of the Fittest. That card gets so little respect for how disgusting it is from, like, anybody Every time I see somebody else resolve a, a survival, and the rest of the table is just like, yeah, what could go wrong? It's fine. <laughs> I'm just like, you do not what? understand how much goes wrong when you let somebody just have a survival of the fittest in play, especially over multiple turns. It, like, it filters out the like your top deck so insanely well when you have a deck built to take advantage of it. And, like, even if you just, like, have two creatures in hand and your deck just wants one of the cards in your deck in your graveyard it makes life so much harder for the rest of the table uh well i guess i was wrong because you gave my answer rather than giving your answer oh, nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice so yeah my answer swap. was survival um all right one in the green enchantments and uh and your You're answer terrifying. read was sylvan safekeeper uh yeah that too <laughs> People, yeah sylvan uh. safekeeper yeah, people. That's people that's a card that like. Enough, but... Not only do people not respect it, they also just like straight up forget about it. Yeah. And then <laughs> people just like, don't okay, we're gonna go to interact. You're like, cool. Activate Sylvan. <laughs> yeah, Great it's definitely way. like the most notorious onboard trick. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I. It's yeah. just it's it's a, a one mana green creature. Your brain's just like, yeah, it's with all the other all the other one mana green creatures. We know what those do. They tap for mana, right? You're like, not this one. <laughs> no, it, it same, is same same way. <laughs> same thing with Allosaurus Shepherd. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Or Destiny Spinner, or like anything that's not like Green Grand Abolisher or Ranger Captain Aveos, but is a protective permanent. Like, dude, they're green. We know what we know what green creatures do. They tap for mana. Yeah. Uh, yeah good stuff yeah all green spells or all green permanents checks out <laughs> i can't think of a single green permanent that doesn't tap for mana can you <laughs> <laughs> no it's actually it's impossible tough, literally I've been, every i've I, been thinking about it dude literally every green permanent has the forest subtype i don't know what you're talking about um <laughs> i guess as of yeah, late cool. i have i have found that esper sentinel has not been respected mm. but that's just along the I, I I think the people fact... respect that card pretty highly. Maybe maybe like our meta specifically didn't respect <laughs> it as much as like some others. But I think yeah. like most people, when that card was spoiled, they're like this card's very very powerful. I, I yeah. was about to say yes. the fact that but you're mentioning... recognizing that it's powerful is definitely different than it being actually respected in practice. <laughs> <laughs> like the of fact... the like draw of the like mana. Or like the tax draws or whatever you want to classify them as like this i feel like esper sentinel draws uh, ex- the, like the choice is is almost never to pay for some reason 
I will say the fact that you brought that up and said that Esper Sentinel is under-respected is actually just going to give friend of the show Zach an aneurysm. <laughs> he like, definitely does not it want anybody. Respect. He doesn't want anybody respecting that card. <laughs> its text pretty uh, much says respect me. Yeah. But <laughs> and then people uh, just and then don't. It's like don't you can't tell me what to do. Um cool. So that's a that's gut check for this episode. Um we're going to move on to listener questions. We got a couple here, um, but we got one important one because our patrons are important. And as a reminder, if you're a patron, you get to submit listener questions that we will answer on the show if they're reasonable. And sometimes even if they're not reasonable. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Matt, do you want to read this one out for us? Sure. I haven't. So this is from Two Hand Touch. I haven't actually played with or against Kenrith, but people talk about grinding with him. And, <laughs> sorry, the, the phrasing there. Is Kenrith <laughs> actually able to grind alongside Timnath Rass? Seems hella slow. Well, I mean, so <laughs> getting getting a third dude into in the middle of two people grinding is a is a rough one. So I would say no on that front. But <laughs> in a game of magic. Anyway, continue. Bad joke. Terrible joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all i can that's all i can see now so yeah. it's too late um yeah so i mean it is it is slow that is definitely yeah. the downside um but uh yeah the fact that the fact that you don't have that like as we were talking about um you know it's not just about threats in hand or threats on board at a certain point when the game goes long enough it's literally about threats in deck and and that's where that's where Kenrith uh like can just continuously present himself as a threat and can yeah. also recur your threats. So like uh you know, drawing cards unless you can actually win the game uh often doesn't deal with Kenrith very well. because um, they just keep crashing in or like you know, they they land something like a notion thief, and then you kill it, and then they just buy it back, and like you can't counter any of their creatures because they just pull them out of the bin with Kenrith. Yeah. Uh, I think that one's like underappreciated. Um, yeah, like the, the specific like, interaction with where like because like a lot there aren't that many removal spells that see a lot of play that destroy creatures. Like it's either bounce or exile, and like yeah. bounce is temporary even without Kenrith. And exile is permanent even through Kenrith, but like the fact that you can't just like manage rain or force of will a hate bear with Kenrith out, or, or like a that it doesn't combo just piece deal for that matter, yeah, like, or yeah. a combo piece, yeah. Um, it's also uh, speaking of like killing Kenrith's Notion Thief and putting the bin. Kenrith also plays through Notion Thief better than. And Thrasios ever oh, will for sure. Um, yeah, you just both the fact that you can recur stuff out of the bin, but also just make your board huge and kill the person with the notion thief, <laughs> or just kill the rest of the table with some ex with your excess mana. Um, just makes them super good. That was all, that was sort of the reason why Kenrath was a really nice mirror breaker in uh Flashhawk meta was just because like your the combat damage just out of the command zone is pretty relevant and like forcing action from the rest of the table or in the current meta, just deading people. Yeah. Some, some counterpoints <clears throat> just to be fair here. Um, so on the flip side of the, of the counterspell argument, like Kenrith itself is great at being resilient to counterspells, but 
um, I think among that kind of category of deck, it draws the card. It draws cards and kind of it's kind of the worst at drawing cards. So you aren't gonna win the the arms race of counter offensive counter spells. Yeah, that is um, that is true. Uh, and then there's also the the problem of who to kill first a lot with Kenra, which we've all, which we just talked about being harder than yep. tight play. <laughs> that being said, there's also the other piece of it, which is that uh, although you don't win the um, you don't win the card advantage war, you do win like even if you even outside of just like pumping your own board, you do start to really win the board game or the combat damage game on the board because Kenrith messing with other people's combats that don't even involve you is also very real oh. <laughs> like <laughs> there is nothing funny <laughs> like you like you attack with a hate bear and they chump with a dork and then you're like great i'll double pump your dork and then the hate bear is dead <laughs> like it's I actually just remember... super obnoxious to like go through combat with somebody else's Kenrith on the board with mana up i i just Remember the time I like I actually pulled off the 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 meme of uh, double bluff. Someone attacked. <laughs> no, they attacked a Timna into a Najila, and I went like, "If I buff your Najila, will you block?" Yeah, and they were like, "They're like, sure." I'm like, "Cool, I'll put a counter on the Najila." They're like, "Block the Timna, <laughs> put a counter on the Timna." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Absolute scumbag. Dude, and that's and that's not even peak politics, apparently. I guess not. It's not. That's nowhere close. <laughs> um, yeah. So I hope that answered your question too. Um, yeah, it's certainly I I the like obviously I don't think Kenrith is like a direct replacement for Timothrasios. I think Timothrasios is like its ceiling of the number of cards it can produce per turn is like sort of unmatched for how little investment it actually requires to play them now the command zone. But it certainly does it, it's a more of a Swiss Army knife than Timnathrasios, where Timnathrasios are like really good at like a specific thing. Kenrith can service like a lot of different objectives um in later games with enough excess mana, which I mean the ten Kenrith decks typically tend to have built in. Also, um, also getting access to Dockside is like that too. That does actually solve some of the speed issue a lot of yeah. the time. Yep. Um, yeah, no compromises as far as the deck. You get five colors. You just get all, <laughs> get all of it. Um, next, we have a listener question from Shaper. Morgan, you want to get this one? Sure. Uh, so, uh, Shaper, for some reason, asks, <laughs> how much do we have to collect in donations for a CASMR reading of the Gitrog Monster Primer? I, I don't. Is is this just like a joke on CDH or is CASMR something different than ASMR? No, it's, it's competitive ASMR. Come on. <laughs> okay, is that the joke? I I that honestly is, don't yeah. know. <laughs> we'll make it a Patreon tier. It's like let's, let's yeah, we'll make real. it we'll make it our goal. Uh, if leave leave a comment on this uh, YouTube video if you listen to it on YouTube or in our Discord if you want us to update a Patreon goal and have a ASMR radio of a Get Wrong Monster Primer. Um, because you know we 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 don't have a current Patreon goal, so uh, maybe we can set that one up. Maybe if we get a thousand dollars a month, we can have a <laughs> yeah, the we'll, entire we'll, we'll podcast do readings. Regular Ga ASMRs. gameplay will be five hundred, and then ASMR will be a thousand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then honestly, we can... though, it's gonna be tough fitting it in with our just backlog of topic ideas too. So oh yeah, 
Uh, that's gonna be a definitely problem. knew exactly what we were talking about this episode like for days before <laughs> we started recording it and not half an hour or less <laughs> hey we knew for <laughs> solid minutes <laughs> before we start recording um yeah uh and then uh last up uh we have one from josh warminator um this question is uh next thing well yeah if it hasn't been brought up already and it hasn't um are the consequences and advantages of taking a player out of the game and i mean actually knocking them out of the pod not something like force will on turn one mana crypt um when to do it when not to do it even if you have the option to etc is it always the correct play do some decks work better or worse in the three man um so this is actually like pretty directly related to what we were talking about earlier in this episode a couple of times um which is about sort of combat damage and actually killing players off and how hard that is to actually decide. Um, yeah, there, there are a lot of consequences, uh, when you knock somebody out of the game to go along with the advantages. Obviously the, uh, like the level one understanding of like killing people is that, Oh, it's one person less in the game. And that means that there's one person less to interact with me. Um, second layer is that like, Oh, well they actually are, like opponents can be beneficial to me in some ways and maybe I don't want there to be fewer opponents. Um, but there's like levels and levels under that of like just minute differences in different game states, uh, pod compositions, positions inside of those pod compositions at the point in time at which you're making that decision. Um, there, like there's, there's so much decision making that goes behind like this person's at five. I have five damage. Do I want to kill them? Because even inside of the same game, same, like same decks at the table like almost the same game state that can change from turn to turn you can like there can be like a three permanent change in a game state um between two turns and you can suddenly just be like okay well now i want you dead um for yeah. whatever reason i mean i i just know uh we're gonna get some snarky comment from keegan about how you should always just kill someone right <laughs> yeah. attack the person with the lowest life total take them out of the game yeah. as soon as possible have fewer opponents. Um, yeah, it, it's obviously very contextual. I think that, like, on balance, you probably want to kill people um, just because sort of the level one understanding is oversimplified, but that doesn't mean that the premise it rests on yeah. is, is wrong. Um, it's just that it can be overridden by more circumstantial things. Um, but uh yeah like i think i think one of the biggest things that you want to evaluate in a situation like that is just like what is this deck's sort of threat to answer ratio yeah right like if you're looking at it if you're like do i kill the i don't know rograk timna player the answer there is like almost always yes because let's be real the number of situations where they're gonna stop you from dying to like someone else's you know presented win is like actually zero like what what are they what yeah. are, what spells do they even play that looks like maybe silence or but, like potentially a blast but the interesting thing about that even is that there are situations where i wouldn't kill a mad farm player like if there's like i i want to present a win but I can't afford to try to go th for it through the dominant blue player's position, so I need to leave the Mad Farm player alive to draw interaction out of them so that I can make a, like, better protected win 
later. Yeah. So, just, so there's just like all these layers where like even in those situations where you can make assumptions about like, yeah, like most of the uh, vast majority of the time, I'm going to want the turbo player with very little interactive, like interactive elements to die so that we can not have that threat anymore. Sometimes it's correct to not kill them so that they can present those threats. Yeah, like certainly, especially because if you can make it look like you're like going to kill them, they might, you know, flail a little bit. Yeah. Um. It's like, well, you know, I don't like I don't like the chances on this win attempt, but I'm dead next turn, so might as well go for it. And then that draws interaction and gives you a window. Yeah. Um. So I guess really, you know, you have to figure out how confident are you that you can predict what they're actually going to do and then figure out if that's something you want. Yeah, um, exactly. And so the less predictable they are, the more likely it is correct to just kill them. And obviously the less you want the thing that they're going to do, the more correct it is to kill them. Um, and that doesn't necessarily have to be interaction, which is sort of... yeah good for you on like an obvious surface level but like or or them having stacked pieces in play if it's a stack stack uh but also yeah things like drawing attention having to be interacted with um yeah and and yeah i mean there's also stuff like um even outside of that like i i this is the furthest i'm gonna go in these levels but there are sometimes you want a player dead but you won't kill them because you can afford to put that damage elsewhere and have somebody else kill them because they want them dead more than you do. <laughs> uh, so, like, there's classic just... Classic read. There's just, like, all these, like, <laughs> I'm levels... I'm not gonna of... kill that player. I'm gonna make you kill yeah, no, that Exactly, player. but it's, it's just... It's, like, uh... there's, like... It's just as examples of, like, how many layers deep you just... can get into this of, like... Okay, yeah, I... Like, so I want this player dead, but do I actually want to kill them? <laughs> like, there's decisions yeah, to make at and, every point here. Um, and then there's, like... Yeah, there's the whole, like, oh, well, I'll leave them... Like, if I don't want them dead, you know, but I think that person does want them dead, leaving yeah. them with, like, just enough life for... Uh, yeah. Or, you or, can always or go or a leave layer them, deeper. Yeah, leave them... Dude. Uh, sorry, <laughs> never, I'm not gonna keep going, sorry, never I actually i'll say this one like leaving them at just enough life that the next person can't kill them but if they attack the person after them can so that you're preventing two people's worth of damage from coming at your face like <laughs> just that's pretty much like the same flavor of greed that you mentioned being why people lose to crug oh yeah no 100 percent. but like I'm just, it's like exactly the same there's greed. just there's a lot of layers to stuff like this question um i did want to say though like there's a second part to this question that I want to touch on a bit before we move on um, to the closing of the show, which was, do some decks work better or worse than the three-man? So, yes, there are decks that work uh, better in, um, like, different ranges of pod compositions. I think one of the most hilarious ones um, to note is that, like, uh, it, not that it's a relevant deck anymore, sorry, rip, um, but Opus Thief is a deck that actually scales very well with the number of people in a pod in terms of the more people that are in a pod, the way better Opus Thief gets because all of its payoffs are dependent on how many people are in the pod. And the fewer people that are in the pod like just makes its real payoffs worse and worse to the point that like if you're playing 1v1 with an Opus Thief deck, it is actually significantly worse than it is in a uh, four-player. Yeah. Uh, also the, the funniest one of that is, uh, you know, we talked about like the stacks resilience of the Malcolm Glintorn combo. Um, you do need 
at least two opponents yep. for that combo <laughs> to work. Which can sometimes be a problem in, like, the super long, staxed-out combat damage-type games. Especially because it doesn't uh, even, like, it, it even stops working if, like, you have two opponents, but one is at a low enough life that, like, they're yeah, gonna like, die if before the, you Yeah, like, if the far difference enough. between them is low, is high enough, like, yeah. you can, you, you kill one, and then you stop making mana, and if you don't have enough mana to kill the other, then your combo just kind of fizzles. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a problem as a new player you could read, like, a thousand times, but you're never gonna learn that lesson until it actually happens oh, yeah, to yeah. you. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, and the sure. whole thing is, like, you're not going to learn that lesson either during that game unless somebody in the pod is actually knowledgeable enough to know that it, like, doesn't work anymore. Yeah, I, yeah, feel like, like, I feel like there's probably been a lot of games that have been incorrectly conceded <laughs> yeah. to the Malcolm Blue say, Lord combo. Yeah, I was thinking, like, tournament setting, I don't know, in my mind, but that's a good point, too. It's like, you can definitely get away with that kind of shenanigans. Like, oh, look, I have Malcolm Glenhorn. That means you're dead, right? It's like, well, we have to do a bit of math first. Let's, <laughs> just let's, a small let's amount. Just... Let's just chill on that. <laughs> anyway, hope those were adequate answers. Actually, I, those were adequate answers. Come on. Let's be real here. <laughs> they sounded pretty good, yeah. at least. Um, I refuse to believe that we don't give good answers to our listener questions, because if we gave bad answers, then that would undermine my entire understanding of what we do here. <laughs> so I'll choose not to. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> that about wraps it up for this episode. Uh, if you guys would like to reach, us, uh, reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at IntoTheNorthPod via our email at intothenorthpodcast at gmail.com or on our Discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work toward improving the quality of the podcast. If you, too, would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash podcast. Another way you can support us is via our TCG Player affiliate link. Uh, so anytime you want to purchase something from TCG Player, our use our affiliate link, which is in the podcast and YouTube description. A portion of your purchase goes towards supporting the podcast. Thank you, as always, to the band Fox Cadre for our lovely podcast music, to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo, and to our video editor, Manta Ray Hat. Next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya.